Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. <clears throat> a tin cup cork. Three, two, one. Normally I can't perform under pressure like that, so I really appreciate being able to do that. No. And even if it didn't, I'd be able to edit to make it look like it did, so. Oh, all right. good. All good. I'm not yeah. going to say that. Now, now your audience will never believe anything you do. Oh, that's not... What was that? Take a piss? Was that a snake? <laughs> <laughs> so what are we all drinking today, fellas? Uh, I don't think what, we've actually talked about it. dare we? you take my line? I, <laughs> I want it to be the Zach Braff of this conversation. Wow. <laughs> well, since I have clearly proven to be the most boring individual here, um, if you've even made it this far... <laughs> And if you have made it this far and you're only eight minutes into the podcast, it's because Sean edited out a hell of a lot of what I said. <laughs> we started at three. It's currently 6.30. And, uh, so, anyways, um, I'm having a rum and coke on the rocks. Captain Morgan and Coca-Cola. Thank you, Adam. It's classic. Simple. Simple and beautiful. You know? Is it just regular Captain Morgan? It's like yeah. Rum. Just in a gigantic. It's in a growler, and that's a, that's impressive. Yeah, it was full two days ago. I mean, quarantine, you know. You know. Yes. I mean, this is the only full thing I I had. I am drinking a tin cup whiskey with ginger ale. Neat. Because I don't want to ruin it. The 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 ice would open up the flavor. It's not that. It's not a difficult. I'm okay with it. Let me ruin what I want to ruin. Yeah, I'm just drinking a, a sour. I'm still on my sour beer kick. Jesus. Uh, this one, this one's called uh, Johnny Flip Flops. That's right. That is the actual name. Was oh, that the one I got you? Yeah, yeah. It's got a cool. Yeah. It's got a cool cover. Um, the 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 Roman Catholic over here might appreciate hey. that a little bit more. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's very um, yep. satanic. <laughs> yep. Looks like you got the ram's head. Yep, the ram's head. Uh, the uh, the pentagram. But it's just a sour ale, and uh, it's apparently, vegan. apparently it's vegan. It's vegan. Um, now I don't care if people are vegan. Do your thing. Uh, I am not. I will eat meat. We we had a I'm murderer. Big, I'm a big meat eater. <laughs> we had um, a close friend of ours that went vegan for quite a few years, and as soon as he touched like normal food to his mouth again, his penis grew back. Yeah, he finally <laughs> grew like, a penis. He got like super muscular. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's crazy too because once you go vegan for so long, like you can't have any meat, like you get super sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was at least vegetarian for about seven years, I'm about nineteen to maybe I was about twenty six, and um, for a portion of that, some of it was like well, some of it was vegan. I was doing about eighty percent raw. Um, I was as fit as anything. I mean, I was just like like waking up happy. Right, it's been so long since I just feels like a, <laughs> just feels like a myth. You know, you just wake up, your head just like sort of bounce off oh. the pillow. You're like, I'm ready to take on today's challenges. I can't wait. Bring I, it on, world. I don't think I can trust people like that. <laughs> I, I will say, um, I stopped drinking soda for a while mm-hmm. and all that caffeine and sugar. And after you get through like the caffeine withdrawal, the headaches, uh, drinking only water, I felt great when I woke up. You look I great. would right. get up at like, you know, my alarm goes off usually at four in the morning and uh, sometimes I snooze until five, five thirty, and then I'm finally rolling out just groggy and... But when I was drinking nothing but water, my alarm went off. I was like, oh, I'm up. Let's go. Let's get ready. Eat breakfast, shower, whatever I got to do, and I'm just ready for the day. Yeah, it's like, but it's, it's crazy. I missed the flavor, so I went back, of course, and just, now I wake up miserable every morning again. Yeah, yeah that, 
But then I also got married, so I think that's part of why I wake up miserable. Everything is that's right. The wife, yeah. Everything is flavorless now. (laughs) No, I I I I started on juice for a while because I wanted to get rid of soda, but then I realized I like like fruit fruit juice. Yeah, like you know. Thought you meant steroids. No, (laughs) you're juicing. Really? (laughs) I'm not doing it right. I was gonna say it didn't last long. Yeah. No. Wouldn't be the first time. All right, go on. Really? Wow, okay. All right. Please edit that out so I can, my keep, only so I can keep my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, um, and I, I started in on that, and, you know, my wife was really happy that I was doing it, because I, sugar and all this, it makes you really groggy, and I only drink coffee on the weekends now, you know, but I still have the soda during the week, and I, I want to kick that, but I, when I started working where I work currently, it, you got to have water to keep going because mm. you get cramped up. You don't feel well. You got to keep it. You got to keep a lot hydrated. of movement. Yeah, yeah a, a lot a of physical movement. job and grunts. You know, I, I got to a point where because I was only having water after I got home. If I had water, I would get physically sick because my body's like, no, you did your eight hours of water, buddy. You're fine. You're good to go. This is whiskey time. Mm. <laughs> and. I, I I had people worry about me that I was drinking too much because I'm, I'm I'm a caricature of myself sometimes. It's not that you drink too much; it's that you drink alone. I think that's where people get worried about alcoholism, <clears throat> especially if it runs in the family, which in our family it does. That's what I told you when we got together a couple months ago. I was like, I like you know, nothing is better than this. No. Just like mm-hmm. a couple dudes around talking, you know. Hopefully, you know, if we could have. No, hopefully you're not drinking. Your alcohol through a straw. <clears throat> oh, of course I am. Saves <laughs> your teeth. And uh, but I was uh, um, no, actually the first one I just drank normal. But I, the straw kind of looks pretty. And you know we were talking about being vegan, and it just sounds like something they would do. And uh, but the oh, we no longer have vegan followers. Um, the whole three of them that did follow us. Yeah. We had three vegan. I don't know. Probably not. Sorry, Dave. Uh, what's the rule if it's three it's one yeah you had one one yeah. follower <laughs> and so um the oh yeah so to me like nothing beats this like a few people mm-hmm. together chatting hopefully lighthearted. I know I kind of like just essentially that was the most inspirational like, anybody's ever been on the podcast we just actually no, like, really like enjoyed a, it. a when, body slam into the abyss <laughs> But, no, uh, no, I, I was like that the first couple episodes where yeah, you were like, all right, dark. he's not going to, but um, he, he had a thing where he would, the first couple episodes, he would say, that is my inspiration and my muse. And honestly, <laughs> you, you have been that. And it was, it was really crazy because I was thinking that in my head. I'm like, he's very inspirational right now. And we, we have a lot of friends who could use that type of talk. Mm. And, and if we can't give it to them and <clears> they listen to the podcast. Yeah, that, that that could be really helpful. Well, I think I could maybe use it more than anyone. That's why I say it. But uh, like, not even kidding. But so getting together, you know, with a couple of the bros, like having a drink, like to me, that's a zenith. You know, that is the pinnacle. And uh, but if I'm alone, no temptation to drink. Really? You know, I just had like because we've been in quarantine, I I just had to throw out something like twenty five bottles of beer. Um, it's only beer. Don't worry about well, it. Well, I'm used to having people over, and um, you know, we'll have. And and I'm not a heavy drinker either. And so, but they'll come over, and maybe I'll have two beers, and a couple of friends will have two right, beers. Right. right. You do that every weekend. Well, there's your 
that's a month. There goes yeah. there goes your beer. Um, and so that just wasn't happening. And I was like, I don't, I'm not going to drink it just so it doesn't go bad. Right. You know, I don't have, like, to me, I'm like, why do I want to drink that? That's disgusting. You know, alcohol, ugh, like, tastes like crap. It just makes everything taste worse, yep. you know? But then when I'm with people, I'm like, yeah, double IPA? Sure. Salt let's, of the earth with It's like, people. let's filter it down back to its hops and then I'll smoke them. You know, like, <laughs> for some reason, if I'm around people, that's just like, that's how, that's how I get, you yeah. know? See, I, I was the opposite. I, um, my, before I met my wife, I was actually more miserable, <laughs> believe it or not, with my, with my ex and drinking was an escape for me. Like I had my video games and my, my beer and yeah. I would just, <clears throat> video games were, I would just buy a case, video. you know, I, I was a good dad. I you know I, I was young. So like for me, that was most important. But especially like on the weekends, she'd be home or she'd take him out and I would just drink and I would just stay in my, my bedroom with my video games and binge. So yeah. when I was with friends, sometimes I didn't drink as much because I don't know, maybe it's a, a depression type thing or a mental health thing in general. I just stayed away from drinking, like over drinking where I, by myself, I would just pound and just go for hours, drink well, whole cases. Oh, no, that makes sense. I think sometimes... I think sometimes we need to find a way to alter our reality if we can't change it, you know? And sometimes it's easier to alter it than to change it because sometimes parts of it are not changeable, Mm -hmm. you know? Like a crazy ex, right? (laughs) Or like, you know, or worse, a crazy girlfriend because then you can't even get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... uh, Especially especially during quarantine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really feel bad for (laughs) for those stuck, like, in, in troubling domestic situations. Men and women, because the men thing. can be victims of domestic violence, too. Yeah. Um, we haven't gotten to that discussion yet, but we will definitely at some point. Yeah. Well, I, um, an- anecdotally I, speaking, I've only ever known one person in my family to be domestically abusive, and it was a female. Wow. Which, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like, realistically, now, uh, females are rewarded an yeah. exceptional amount of protection in the system. Where I understand where it came from, but it, the dynamic has shifted. And you see this in, in the big news with, like, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah. That, yeah that was, to that to was, me, like, that was a big case. And I, I am a big advocate for father's rights. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I deal with that a lot. Are like, you, like, an MG Tao type? Uh, uh, I actually don't know who that is. Men going their own way? Oh, no. I, I've never heard of that. Okay. Uh, but, no, um, it's, the, it's a group called the Father's Rights Movement. They got me started on it. Um, I've seen too many good fathers yeah, pushed 90, aside. What is it? Ninety-two percent mother gets custody. And, it's and it's crazy. That. There's a lot of like really in, hard yeah. statistics to look at. In a divorce, if you just say like he hit me, like yep. you never see your yeah. Kids. They call it the, the silver bullet. Um, lawyers and it's it's troubling. All yeah. they need is for you to say it. Yep. It doesn't even need to be true. Nobody looks yep. into it. We've seen and they I'm not wholeheartedly trying to disparage women from coming forward when they are abused for right. real because obviously it's terrible but I think I think the biggest problem in feminism is women um women who don't yeah. stick up for other women like you see it a lot now where uh, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here which is bad definitely a bad time to lose my train of thought but yeah. so you see it when uh, shit I um, promise it's true it's definitely true what I'm about to I, say. Like, um, I just have to. I don't. Out. I don't think women call out other women enough. Like, like I know fake rape cases aren't a real big deal, 
but when you've seen it happen they personally, yeah, they, they do, do exist. And I yeah. think those women, like like the Amber Heard's, the people who fake it, I think the women who have suffered from it for real should just drag them through the, the mud and they don't. It's yeah. The Me Too movement is just like, oh, believe all women. Okay, well, you should believe most women. I, I but think clearly not all women. I'm gonna, I'm or gonna, men. I'm going to be the, the devil's advocate, advocate for uh, Amber Heard here, whom I, I, I am not for in real life. Um, a lot of the people that have come forward for Johnny Depp were like, he was never like that before. All relationships <clears throat> are different. Oh, 100%. People would never act the same in any sort of circumstance. There is, well, right. I mean, I, I think. I think putting your hands on a woman as a man is one of the, the lowest things you you can do, and and mostly because I think the you know the domain of physical contact is off limits for women. You know, like we're guys, right? And it's like, what happens if we start arguing about something, right? We start having like our, our spirited debate, even if we're even if we're buds, right? We're buds. We're having our, our debate about something, right? The first thing we do is this, right? Yeah. We, we're like, well. Well, what do you think about this? Right? You know, well, I think this, right? And it's like, well, why do we do that, right? It's actually a stance to lunge at someone, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, there's there's somewhere in our sort of reptile evolutionary biology brain that's um, designed to prepare to pounce, right? When there's mm-hmm. an argument, it's like, okay, this this has this sort of like what you might call an underlying threat of physicality um, to it. <clears throat> women aren't like that. They're not temper. They're not temperamentally built like men. Um, like I, I would say, how that behavior manifests itself in women is through antisocial behavior and um, character assassination, that kind of thing. And that's why that's why women tend to. I'm not trying to generalize, but women tend to be more catty. They tend to talk sure. behind each other's yep. back. Yep. They tend to be gossipy. Men will just start swinging, you yeah. know, because that's just how we are. We, sure. we like. Right. We build things and we break things. Very like primal. This. Yeah, very, that's it. Very. You know? And that's why men are so easy to get along with, right? Because sure, it's yeah. like, we just like, okay, well, if it's not this side of the coin, it's this one. Yep. Like women, it's like an encyclopedia, you know? <clears throat> As, you know, just now, I'll, I'll sort of, my wife won't get this far into the podcast anyway, so I feel like I can, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can say this. We, we <laughs> have the same, we, we can afford the same things because uh, yeah. they don't make it for, for anything. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, you know what all that preamble was? Where I was like, okay, 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 okay. that was just to eliminate all the women. <laughs> and like, now it's like guy time. They're Camouflage. Like, yeah. There's, now we get the, the locker room there's, talk. Yeah, there, yeah, exactly. There was no way they made it through. Dude, that was like like 40 combination locks they would have had to like, you know, work their way through in order to get to this part. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but you know, we're in the car today and, and uh, in, in our marriage, I don't remember anything. My wife remembers everything. And so we're driving, and we're, we're driving in Franklin, coming back from Starbucks. She gets Starbucks every day. It's part of her white privilege. And uh, <laughs> we're driving down this, this side road, uh, Grove Street in Franklin, and there's this beautiful big blue house, right? And uh, uh, this dark blue color, but, you know, it used to be like an like a off-white or, or something. And um, they painted it blue, but for a while, like, only most of it was blue, and, like, some of it still had that off-white. And uh, but now it's all blue. They finally finished it. You know, they're like Trump money came in or something, and they finished yeah. the job. <clears throat> but we're driving by, and, and I'm like, oh, oh, they they finished that house. And um, she's like, yeah, they finished it like six months ago. And I was like, yeah, but like I I know I've driven by several times, but we just never like talked about it. And she was like, no, we talked about it when they did it. And uh, I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And that's just like how so many of our conversations go. And uh, 
Hold on. I'm gonna. <laughs> All right, here's Moss the cat. It's the Moss commercial break. It's a great cat. He's though. brown hey. and he's friendly and he just wants to get pet. Hey, 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 hey. And sniff your whiskey and get drunk. And then we'll see what happens next. He's <laughs> Moss the cat. He's Moss the cat. Now get the hell out so I can finish this rap and continue with the podcast. <laughs> get out, Moss the cat. At least he's quieter than my dog. She will. She makes some noise. I can tell you, there's a lot of times I gotta edit out a bark. Oh. But it's really great because it spikes, so I know when it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you see it on like, yep. the, the amplitude there. Yep. And, uh, it's like, man, right. it got really, really loud right here. I know what that is. That was Jay getting yelled at. Probably. Yeah, he actually wants. Come on back. There we go. I was gonna say he won't stay for long, but if you give him attention, he'll stay. Uh, listen, all right, listen, I've been ignoring pussy for a long time, so if that's what I need to do. I was going to go the opposite way, and I was going to be like, I'm, I pay great attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delicate, I'm handsy. You guys just have that, like, ESP. I just like to get in there, you know? Mm. And, and the pussy is between us, uh, much like the Thomas brothers, who also have family with benefits. Uh, Earl Thomas, if you're listening, you're, you're giant... And you will kill me. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't. What's so, wrong with you? so we have we have this conversation, and I'm like, oh, you know, of course we actually talked about this, and I just forgot. And then I said to her, I said, you know, it's it's a wonder we lasted this long. And she goes, why? Right? You know, just just being playful. And I said, um, well, because I feel like we've had two different experience. We've experienced two different marriages. You know, my experience of our marriage is that we've only ever had, we've only ever spoken like four times <laughs> and you cook dinner for me twice. You know, I bet your, your, uh, I, I bet your experience of our marriage is, um, whenever we do talk, I talk 80% of the time, but I'm also somehow preoccupied on my phone a hundred percent of the time. And I've cooked for you. Um, but only after you've nagged me for weeks about it. You know, just like you have to nag me for weeks to get anything done. And then she's like, well, I do have to nag you for weeks to get you, right? And so, like, then she starts getting, like, serious. As I'm, I'm just, like, I'm just joking around. She's like, well, I do have to, you know. Well, I had to nag you about, you know, taking out the trash. And you, and you were like, well, the bin's full, but the trash is coming tomorrow, so can I take it out then? And I was like, yeah. And then it was like, the day went by, you didn't take it out. And I was like, well, only half the day went by, you know. And I was working, you know, to pay for the house. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, could you cut me some slack, right? And then it's like an argument, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, we were just like making a little joke, having some fun. And it, you know, she kind of, she kind of said something, and I, I had to. I was thinking about like how she was talking about a friend who had seen uh, how she had painted the doors, and I was thinking about like how to respond. Um, and she was like. You know, like, well, why aren't you saying anything? And I was like, no, I was just thinking how to respond. And then I said something, and she was like, well, are you just going to have an attitude all day? And I was like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, you misinterpreted the, the you know, the joke. So, like, yeah. the, the ability to, like, turn on a dime like that is, is something, like, trying to navigate that is, well, it's almost like walking through a fun house of mirrors, you know, like it's it's like cool and exciting for a little mm-hmm. while. You get to like see yourself in neat and interesting ways, and uh, but then eventually, like nothing makes sense, and you have to 
backtrack to make progress you thought you made 10 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. marriage is a maze where you feel like you reach, you know, the next level to where you got to go and you just run into a, another hedge and you're like, what the fuck, wait, what happened? Like, I thought I already knew how to navigate around here. No, I, I, I like to poke. <laughs> and that's what I do. That's what you do. We're, we're pokers. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but we do it to, to, you know, to make a joke, to make things light. But because we poke, we're wrong. We're wrong in our poking. I poke wrong. I yeah. poke at the wrong place. It is what it is. Yeah, sometimes you just get the wrong hole. <clears throat> I, I'll tell you what, man. I never get the wrong hole. I, I think there are different types of marriages, too. Because, I mean, obviously, marriage is very personal. It's different for everyone. And I've seen so many of my friends that I thought had great marriages, and then they get divorced, and I'm like, well, what the fuck went wrong? Yeah, where'd like, that I, come from? I thought that was, that was a good marriage, you know. And, like, my marriage, um, obviously, we get along. She is my best friend. Yeah. But... We didn't build that on common ground, necessarily. We built that on mutual hate. Like, I always feel like we hated the same things. It wasn't about what we loved. It was about what we disliked. Like, we had the same hatred for everything. The few things we do like, we like together. I mean, obviously, Star Wars. That's a- You know, we had a Star Wars-themed wedding, which is awesome. Yeah. You can't. You don't, you don't often find women who can do that. So, I, I obviously want to lock that down. But yeah, we, we hate the same things, and it's like, oh, well, I love this, and she's like, well, I don't really love that, and she's like, but I hate this, and I'm like, ah, oh, me too. Yeah. Perfect. We hate this more than we love this. It's, so exactly. focus more on what exactly. we it's, it's really funny how, how you can be so happy far. and miserable at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy being miserable and content with you. I, I don't think I could be with somebody who was, like, super happy and optimistic. It would just, it would wear on me, and I, at some point, would murder her. I don't think I could actually murder a person. I mean, hell. Well, actually, you know what? That was, that was my point um, about uh, when we were talking about domestic violence. And was that, there, you know, I, I don't think that the, the area of um, men necessarily should occupy the area of, of hitting women. You know, for, for all the whole, like, equal rights, equal fights, you know, yeah. in, in all of that. But the... Um, there, there are just some things for me that are, that are just off the table. That's one of them. But that person that I had mentioned, that was the, the only domestic abuser I know. Um, if she was here right now and she started going after me because of the resentment that's in my heart for her, it would be, you know, I don't love these walls that much. Let's just say that, you know, and, um, I, I could, I could see, I think I could see myself going to some pretty dark places, um, and and that's what and that's one of the things I was talking about earlier that like we need to be careful of. You know, you have to know your tendency to do that, and you have to know how to avoid it. And so, the idea of like not murdering someone—it's like I feel like I'm actually like a pretty docile person that's easy to get along with. I'm I'm like I don't really have like a temper to speak of, you know. Although I joke about you know having high levels of aggression and and whatnot, <clears throat> but. Um, you know, but it's like who, and it's a complicated topic because if you say like, well, I could murder, it's like people instantly, you know, you become a pariah. Yeah. But I read a book called Ordinary Men, and what the book talked about was um, essentially the main premise of it was what allowed an entire generation of people to essentially acquiesce to um, the genocide committed by Nazi Germany. 
you know, like the guys who were guards at Auschwitz. Like, how could you, like, you know what's going on, and you, like, you leave your shift, you go home to your family, mm. like, whatever, and then it's like, oh, how was it today? Oh, it was good. Like, they stood him in line and, you know, shot him. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we built these new, they call them showers, but, mm. you know, we got this thing. It's called Zyklon B. And it's like, that's that's it. They just woke up every day and they went and did that job. And so what the book talks about is, like, the conditions for, um, and that's why it's called Ordinary Men, because this it was like, if, if you think of Nazi Germany, you know, you think of yourself as, as Schindler or something. You know, you don't think of yourself as Himmler. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I always have to like be looking out for is that I'm, is that I'm always cultivating the best parts of myself and that I'm always killing the worst parts of myself. Uh, because people, they do that all the time. It could be a fit of rage or emotion or misconception or miscommunication and, um, just the wrong thing at the wrong time. And then it's like, you're in a bar fight and then you're getting arrested because you mortally wounded someone, you know, and, and you probably wanted to at the time, right? It wasn't even like, Oh, it was an accident or, you know, I regret it. It's like, no, you did it. And it's like, yeah, that's what you get. You son of a gun, Mm -hmm. right? You should have known better. Right. And then it's like, then a couple days later, you're like, what was I thinking? Right. You sort of like come back to and, uh, and then you have to deal with the consequences of that. And it's better for that to not happen at all. And so with the, um, to get back to the marriage thing, I like what you said about we're sort of like united and hating the same things. Because that's so true in the, and uh, you know, I'm only, I guess, maybe giving my bar- marriage a bad rap so I can fit in a little better <laughs> with, with the tone of the conversation. But my wife, my wife is, in fact, very, very good to me. Um, although there's just things like that that I despise. I, like, I just absolutely, like, why are you going to behave like that? Like, have you not been with me this long that you know mm-hmm. the context of everything I'm saying? Yeah. You've been with me long enough, you can probably predict what I'm going to say, you know? Like, I'm not some sort of, like, like question mark box, like, oh, what's that, you know, like, what's that I'm going to do today? You never know. It's like, no, I, <clears throat> what do I want? Um, I want a simple life. That's it. You know, I, I think I mentioned at the start of the show, one of the, or at least before the show, um, we're going co- to co- go part one. Oh yeah. Well, in part one that we, you know, collectively we struggle with, um, tribalism, but individually the biggest problem we deal with is complexity and, and complexity will certainly take us under if we're not careful. And so we need to seek out simple solutions to our problems and seek to live um, <clears throat> more simply, right? That's like Occam's razor. Yep. You know, you don't, in your life, you don't multiply entities beyond necessity or else you, you end up in a lot of trouble, um, real trouble and metaphorical trouble. And, uh, and so for me, it's like, that's, that's what marriage should be. You know, you should be happy to see me. I come home. You're happy to greet me. You know, you're happy to do things for me. Um, you sacrifice everything that you are for my betterment. Um, and it sounds selfish, but it's actually reciprocal, right? And then I do the same thing. And it's like, we just hold hands and we, you know, we reach death together. And that's like, yeah. that's it, right? That's a real simple view of marriage, but we complicate things, you know, we complicate things because we're, you know, we're moody and we're stubborn and, you know, maybe a little resentful. And it's like, oh, well, 
you know, oh, I thought you said we could only do things this way, right? But you're breaking your own rule, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, like, she's slamming the door. You're getting in the car, going to your parents' house, right? And it's like, oh, Susie's just really getting on my nerves today. You know, I just can't deal with it. This quarantine's killing me. I just need to see someone, right? And that's that's the kind of thing that happens um, if we're not... Um, if we're not careful, but I love, you know, the only thing I love more than marriage is having kids. I'd have 20 kids if I could. I, I struggle with being a parent. Yeah. I admit, I think it's cause I was so young too. Cause I was 17 when I found out I was going to be a dad and you know, I was still being so 18 when he was 18 born. when he was born. <laughs> yep. And it's, how old is he now? He's going to be 13. He's 12 now. He'll be 13 in September. Gosh, a 13 year old. And yeah. Being, <clears throat> it's hard too, because as a parent, you know, you, you do things and your kids will do things with other kids and you know you kind of group in with other parents and in my case it's near impossible to fit in because I'm so much younger than mm. every other parent with kids my age and it, it is it's you get a lot of judgmental looks and especially as a father because most of the time you, you know teenage fathers are either deadbeats or they just kind of screw off because that's what they're supposed to do you know they're young and, yeah. and naive and immature and, and you have to grow up fast so, you know, you kind of just, it was very stressful. And then going through the you know, family court system a little bit, I didn't go through much, which was lucky for me um, because I won, which I do like mm. to brag about because it's fun for me. And I know my ex hates it. <laughs> uh, I doubt she listens, but it's, it is fun <laughs> for me because watching what others had gone through in the same, not the same situation, but similar situations where I was like, oh, now I have to go into mediation and speak to a judge and like, shit how do I how do I handle myself you know I'm angry because we already had things in place and now it's like oh, now we gotta go change that and it was it was nerve wracking and then it's like do I really want to go through that again even though I know I'm probably never gonna get divorced like I'm probably gonna be with my wife forever but at the same time it's like now I'm 30 do I really want a kid now like how much am I gonna be able to do with him I work a lot and mm. so it's like for me I'd rather just not like, we can have dogs. It's fine. I like dogs. Yeah, you can adopt. You can foster these dogs or yeah. animals. Yeah, or animals. Well, my second child's nine, and I'm 32. I'm nine months old, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but for some people, it is... It's very rewarding to have kids. I just... I don't feel that way for myself. I'm, I'm a very selfish person. Yeah. And it was really difficult for me to do anything for another human being. Yeah, I, don't know, I, I feel like I had kids because I was selfish. You know, well, well, because I had kids because I wanted them, mm. right? And that's like part of like being selfish. The um, gosh, eighteen. I mean, I was twenty-two when we had Nikolai. He'll be ten uh, <clears throat> in August, and then the baby will be one. Um, in the and it's it's a hard it's a hard perspective to alter if you already have so much baggage behind it. You know, dealing yep. with you know, the court system and dealing with, you know, do I want to possibly put my kid in a situation where he has, you know, three sevenths of a father and four sevenths of a mother or, or three and a half, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, where, where there's birthday parties and only one parent showing up because they're arguing that day, yep. that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I do, you know, I do see where that's, that's tough, but that's, one of the things marriage is about is, is it contains that binding element, not just by law, but also just in in the person, right? And that's sort of this idea of, like, two becoming one, you know? Like, you would never imagine separating yourself and, 
it, you know, at least without a lot of pain, right? Like if, like if your arm went gangrene and it needed to be sawed off or something, like that's really like what divorce should look like. You know, it's like, this is a part of myself that, that has to be removed and it's going to be painful, but if it doesn't get removed, it's, it'll destroy everything, you know? And so that's where that, that kind of, um, I'm not a huge believer in divorce. I think there's got to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a fan of like this whole like no fault divorce and mm. um, irreconcilable. We just, you know, we just see things differently. It's like, well, then nothing you say means anything because you made the biggest promise you're ever going to make and then reneged on it for because you just fell out of love or, mm. or something. I think, you know? I think technology plays a big factor in divorce these days. Because, I mean, we have the world at our fingertips and we're constantly seeing better. Mm. And, you know, you kind of just... Why am I not? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you see... Why are you doing that? Especially with, with, like, social media, you see everybody posting the best parts of their lives and never the, the worst. So you see everybody's having better. How dare you? And it's a jealousy yeah. type yeah, thing. Yeah, their marriages are yeah. perfect and mine Yeah, and you're like, oh, well, you know, we fight a lot or we argue a lot or, you know, we're not you know, doing whatever as much as these people are. It's, oh, we're yeah. not the same part they are. And, well, maybe we're not right for each other. And then... Yeah, of course. No, it is easy for the, those sort of, like, poisoning thoughts to come in. Particularly when you have... Um, if you don't have, like, a foundational view of marriage. And um, Maury Schwartz talked about this in his book. Um, well, Mitch Albom's book, Tuesdays with Maury, which is kind of like a popular little book. I think they made a, a Lifetime movie or something. Hank Azaria was in that. In the movie? Yeah. Uh, I never saw the movie, but yeah. the, the book's great. So that, that'll be the book. Movie's rec- okay. That'll be the book recommendation. Um, besides the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tuesdays with which Maury. <clears throat> which Bible? Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, like, do you mean which translation? Yes. I'd say Douay Reams. Okay. But most people have different, uh, same message, just different words. Most people are going to go King James in that aspect. No, I think if you're one of the King James types, it's just because you haven't done your research. I think it's like, it's beautiful English, well, but... You just made yourself pretty divisive, even with like, even atheists are like, we, we agree with you, bro. Yeah. Not you. <laughs> no, the, uh, well, the, you know, the, I'm not a fan of the, the Texas Receptus, which is what they use. I don't even know why Protestants loved the King James Version so much. I mean, it was most of the work was done by Desiderius Erasmus, who was a Catholic priest, you know, and um, and not to mention that King James had issues of his own. But um, <clears throat> it's just strange. It's weird history to me. And they're like, well, it's tradition. It's like, okay, like, first off, I think it was like 1689 was like the first edition or yep. something. You know, like, yeah. um, so when you're talking about tradition, you're better at, like, if by tradition you mean the Latin Vulgate... Then maybe, or like like Codex Sinaiticus or something, but not the King James version, you know, with its like outdated language and in like in errors. It has there's there's a lot of errors and it. it never updated the errors or anything. Um, you know, ask a King James only if they think that uh, John five seven belongs in the Bible, you know, or the Pericope Adultery. Anyways, we're talking beyond. But yeah, but you, if you ask, I'll, I'm going to say this as the atheist in me, uh, if you ask, I'm going to say like 75% of religious people, anything in the Bible, they're not going to be able to tell you anything because none of them know. Right. Yeah. Well, it's more, yeah, they, they feel more as like a lifestyle than I think they do like scholarship, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and I think that is a fatal flaw 
um, because it's not, it's not just, it's like, what is your, well, it's sort of like being an American without understanding your, your nation, you know, not saying you have to necessarily be a patriot, but without understanding patriotism, you know, it's like, well, you're just, you know, it's not even like you're cutting off the branch you're sitting on, you just, you're just suspended in midair. I think most know? people today view patriotism as like blind faith. <clears throat> where, you know, you're not allowed to criticize the country and like, oh my god, you don't like this, you, you don't love America. Well, no, I do love America, which is why I'm criticizing the, the shit parts of it. You know, we want yeah. it to be better. I don't want it to just stay where it is. It could yeah. always be better. I think everything could be better. So you want to make it better, but you have like those, like those hardcore right people who yeah. just... Confederate flag Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's like, well, actually, they probably think it would be more perfect if they, you know, back were still fighting the war. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, you know, they don't they don't want to necessarily make it better. They want it to stay exactly how it was. And, uh, you know, it could definitely be better. It's changed. The world has changed, so we need to change with it, at least mm-hmm. a little. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you have, you know, as long as you're discovering your principles in a way that's truthful. And that's, and that's really how, I think, one of the ways you make the world a better place is by seeking the truth not seeking what you want or or what's easiest you know sometimes the truth is really complicated and um i think that that that's um you know i was listening to a talk recently and it was it was basically talking about how that's the one of one of the oldest ideas of mankind that's been written down and 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 one of the deepest ideas which is that um in the book of Genesis, God, um, you know, and obviously we don't have to, for the sake of the podcast, not, you know, we could view it mythologically, whatever. Um, but the way that God um, creates the universe is through truthful speech. It's the logos, it's the word of God um, that casts potential into habitable order. And, and so the future is unstructured, and we have a potential that... Um, can meet that and we have a potential that characterizes the future and we meet it with eyes open and with truthful speech and so that's what that's what God does and and he calls it good Um, and there's there's kind of a complicated idea there because it's obviously not self-evident that the order we inhabit is good because terrible things go on all the time and we have to deal with malevolence and, and all other issues to go along with this god awful nature that we're stuck with and um but i think the hint there is that if the order arises from truthful speech that that order is good you know and um and that that's really a a a thing to apprehend it's it's a it's a fundamental theological presupposition that the way you take the uh chaos that the universe is predicated on and turn it into the order that allows everybody to thrive is by telling the truth. And that's really uncomfortable sometimes, but it's the most charitable thing you can do to a person. And um, and I can say that and know it, but I don't do it, you know, because I have like siblings that, um, or, or, or friends, anyone, that, that could really benefit from me telling them the truth without regard for what it might cost our relationship because it's what's best for them. And I don't do it because I'm like, well, it's not pragmatic. They're going to get upset with me or they're going to do this. You know, it's like, um, well, how do I do it in a way that's that's loving and not judgmental? And and but telling some of the truth, there is like real strong judgment in that. And um, and and so one of the things I would say is 
um, maybe take, you know, uh, take a little bit of time and, and meditate on what an absolute gift your son is and, um, and how there's no upper limit to the joy he can bring you when he's actually bringing you joy. And, uh, and what would it be like to double that? You know, and that, that's sort of like my philosophy behind why I would have 20 kids if I could. I had Nikolai when I was 22, Johan when I was 31, and uh, we had some bad luck in between, and, and we've suffered some catastrophic losses, but the, um, there's no, you know, there's no point where they're not a gift, you know, it's like, well, what, after the fifth one, you're like, oh, now it's a curse, you know, or like, you, you ever meet a parent that has like 10 kids and... You know, and they're like, well, I was cool with the first eight, but man, I really could have, I could have handed back uh, the last two. I'm telling you, man. And, uh, and it's like, well, maybe they're built differently. It's like, or maybe not. It's, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they know something that, that we could know. Um, and that's how, that's how I feel about these guys. And, and I'll tell you, man, like you said, kids are a hell of a lot of work. A lot more work than dogs. Although we had a long haired German shepherd and I got to say that son of a gun damn near ruined my house um he lasted like i think i just over a year maybe 15 months or so and uh i remember i remember that that, that was felk yeah. yeah so when my wife got pregnant um she was really sick for the first trimester and i i generally work like 80 hour weeks um and so i couldn't be with the dog all day who's still a puppy and needs like a lot of exercise and a lot of running around you know, it's not like I have a fenced-in yard. I can just let him outside in the morning, that kind of thing. Um, so he did have to, for his own benefit and for my sanity and for also my wife's health, um, we had to get rid of him. You know, and then you can't bring a baby into the house with, like, a German Shepherd. Those dogs are, like, you know, they'll eat the thing. And if you turn your back for five seconds, you know, they're um, not that they're they're vicious. You know, Fal- Falco is nothing but loving. But, but dogs, you know, they're still animals, you know. So in some of them rarely, obviously I understand, um, have a, uh, they have a tendency to do that kind of thing. And it does happen, you know, and it's like, if they were all angels, it wouldn't happen. And you don't know if you get the one that's not an angel. And so that was, um, not, not that that was even something we were concerned about, but when my wife, when I was never home and then my wife just had no, no ability to take care of the dog with, you know, we had to get rid of him. But, um, yeah, damn man, kids. They come with like a whole host of worries. You know, they're gonna get hurt. They're gonna get their heart broken. You know, might have mental illness. Might fail classes. Might crash a car. You know, all of that. And um, it's like if it's to me, if it's worth the risk. You know, if, if I can sort of calculate the actuarial risk in my own life and decide that it's better to be than to not be, um, then I have to do with. I have to feel the same about my children now and any potential children I may have in the future, um, regardless of number. And, uh, that's, that's, I think a harsh truth that isn't, it's not a compelling truth in the sense that, you know, once you recognize it, that means, you know, you got to go start making babies, you know, but it's one of the things that, that I think a lot of people, particularly millennials could use a, a little more discussion about hearing about, just how wonderful kids can be, right? And we know it to be true, right? It's like you go watch the, you know, they're in like third grade and they go do their play on stage. And, you know, by all accounts, if it was like, if there was a review in the paper, it'd be like, you know, kid messes up line, kid picks booger and eats it, you know, like, 
kid trips other kid, right? But you watch it, and there's something about the the beauty of the act mm-hmm. that transcends, you know, just how you know. It's like, well, they're putting the effort in, and it's cute. But at the same time, it like it like feeds you, you know, and, and edifies you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in that sense, I don't think people are. I don't think we're hearing that much of the conversation. We're hearing that a lot of the conversation is dominated by, you know, stop asking what I'm going to have kids. Some people aren't meant to have kids. You know, kids are a big burden. If you have a kid, it's going to cost you $800,000. If you have a kid, it's going to cost you $1 million. If you have a kid, blah, blah, blah. And um, and at that sense, it's like, well, what else are you willing to write off? You know, if you own a car, it's going to cost you $40,000. Right? You have a Nissan Rogue. That's hardly an inexpensive vehicle. You know? Sure. It's like, why'd you get that when, you know, you could have gotten a Camry? And, you know? Not as good as Okay, well, you could have gotten a Subaru uh, Legacy. Right? And so, <clears throat> actually, that would have cost you probably more. But the, um, so, the, and that's, that's sort of like what I mean when I, when I say taking an actuarial approach. It's like, what's it costing you? What are you getting out of it? And, um, and, and with kids, really, unless it's like the spawn of Satan, um, which they're out there and I've, oh, I tried. I, oh, I know. I mean, I don't I teach. I live with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't, uh, thankfully I don't teach them, but I do know some people in my family who, whose, whose kids might fit the bill and, uh, which is good because they definitely won't make it this far for, <laughs> uh, to wonder whether or not that's that I'm talking about, um, then, then most of the time, it's like, yeah, when you really, when you really lay out the cost, because there is a material cost, um, and there's no real material benefit until you're much older and they become adults, and then you have, you know, the, you know, now I'm at the stage where I can start doing things for my in-laws, you know, like, well, let's go out to dinner. No, we got it, right? When we were like 22, having a kid, and I was making like 400 bucks a week, and my wife stayed home, you know, it's like we could hardly, we can do things for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and that's, you know, and so that material benefit comes much later, but I think what makes it worth it is, is the immaterial benefit, either real or imagined, you know, maybe it's cause we're just wired that way. And it's just as a product of, of evolution that we just think kids are worth it, but they're really not, you know, whether, whether it's real or imagined, it's, it's there. Um, and we know it's there because we don't put our kids up for adoption. You know, if they were just simply just a burden, then, well, what's the point, you know? And, um, yeah, I wish, you know, and it's, it's, it's hella hard. I work way too much to, like, you know, make sure my son can attend a good private school and, um, which actually might be a good time to segue the conversation, um, because his school has mostly affluent, um, parents and so because they're affluent and they can send their kids to the school, they're much older. Um, and like he's in fourth grade and I think the youngest parents we know in his grade are the early forties, you know, so there's still a 10 year difference, um, between these parents who have nine year olds. Some of them started having kids when they were like 37, Yeah. you know, and there's, um, and, and when you're, you know, the way you get to that position is by not having kids early, right? It's like, you want to make, you know, my wife, my wife has stayed home ever since, uh, she was 20, which was when, uh, Nikolai was born. And, 
Um, but if we started having kids when she was 30, well, that's 10 years in, in the workforce. Never mind if she's like 35, 15 years. That's promotions and pay raises, and that's just like money in the bank that whole time. And maybe I'm working more, and maybe we're investing it, you know, and then that money's growing. And um, maybe it's the two of us, so we can start a business, right? It's, it's, those, are, those are the ways you really build wealth. You don't build wealth by, you know, have child at 20 and stay home through like your most productive working years. You know, that's, that's certainly not how you build an impressive portfolio, right? And, uh, but so the, the majority of the children that are at Nikolai school, which is the same school I teach at, um, they've, uh, accumulated wealth in, in that manner by simply, you know, waiting until they were much older in order to have kids. And then, you know, they have investments and they have larger properties and nicer cars and things like that. But the downside is, you know, they're all 15 years older than me. Um, and, uh, so, so I definitely, I'm, I'm with you on that, you know, well, how do I relate to, you know, these parents, some of them, you know, like I can, and then some of them were just in different areas. When I'm, when I'm their age, like I'll be thinking about grandkids, yep. you know, I, I mean, I'm also, you know, we have Johan who knows how many more kids we'll have. Maybe we'll have a couple more. Um, hopefully, uh, if I can never get my wife to sleep in my bed, uh, <laughs> you know, since the baby was born, she's, there's a, a bed in his bedroom. And so she's basically just been sleeping in there, but, um, we're working on it. And, uh, so, um, you know, but at that point when Nikolai's, you know, 25 and maybe having kids, I'll be 47, you know, I'll be how old some of those parents yeah. are now. Yeah. And uh, having grandkids, you know, being a grandfather. Um, and then, let's see, that'll be 16 years from now. You know, Johan will be senior in high school and the other kids will probably be in high school or middle school. You know, so it's just different timelines for different people. And um, Yeah, we know somebody who's actually a grandfather at 32. Yep. He was 16 when he had his daughter. She was 16 when she had a baby. 32 years old. You know, and I'm, I'm 31 now and... Can you imagine that next year you become oh. Grandpa Tessier? Yep. Nope. Yeah. I have nightmares already. It's funny because when we were growing up, we had, you know, my my father's our our, our dad's older than our mom, mm. so it's his parents were older, and then our you know my mother's parents. maternal grandparents. Yeah. So it, it it seems so generational, even <clears throat> for them. It's just so funny watching, like, oh, well, they're the older, wiser people, and these are the more the fun, rambunctious type people. And uh, we were having, uh, me and my wife were with my parents last night, just talking about stuff like that. And it's just so funny how alike some of them were, even though they had, you know, like, 15 years apart from each other. It's just mm. kind of how, you know, I, I was in the PTA for six years. I, I dealt with you know, dealing with that, you know, it was, I, I was, we were the young guys yep. and, you know, when she was in kindergarten, I was what, that was forever ago. I was 24, you know, and all these other people are 35, 37. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to learn and help better all of the kids. I'm, I'm not just here for the one. I want to see everybody get better and, you know, I already know I, I deal with a very talented person, but I want all of your kids to be talented as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I saw it mostly in sports. Like, my, my son's pretty athletic, great baseball player. And, you know... So lazy, though. He is now. So yeah. lazy We start doing, like, competitive baseball, and you start to see the politics of the older parents, and it's like, well, none of them want to deal with me because, you know, I'm 10, 12, 15 years younger than all of them. Yeah. yeah it's sort of like, well, I'm on a, like, a basketball, um, in a basketball group with a bunch of the parents... Uh, at the school, and who are mostly, you know, maybe, well, there might be some, like, mid to late 30s, but um, most of them are definitely in their 40s and, and 50s, and um, and they're, they're a great group of guys, you know, and, like, some sometimes people are just good people that can just get along with everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and then sometimes they're talking about stuff, and I'm like, nope, I, I have nothing to contribute, you know, because yep. I don't even know what what you're discussing, I'm not old enough to get it. Um, or if I do get it, you know, I don't, I don't care about it yet. You know, I haven't given it too much thought. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of one of the funny things about being around, but yeah, but then sports parents, sports parents are tough because they're really passionate, you know? And I think if you're, um, it's weird, you know, like, I don't want to say if you're too passionate, but it's, it's misguided if, you know, it's, it's about oh, well, the refs are, you know, making the wrong call and I want my kid to be the best and you're like, your kid sucks and, you know, parents that, like, fight with each other and all that. It's like, well, I've seen it all. Well, so, but it's like, well, why are you, why are you in the game? I, I would say is the, is the question you, you'd want to ask. You know, what are you trying to teach your son by having him, well, you got a baseball shirt on, so, so we'll use baseball as an example. Um, you need to, you're not just training your son to know, like, to be the winner, but also to be the best loser he can be, right? And that's, and I, I'd say probably the number one piece of advice I could give to a parent is that you you need to want the best for the best in your child, which means like not only seek out winning, but you got to know how to fail because each failure is just another zig or zag that's going to get you to the top, right? That's sort of like the Michael Jordan yeah. philosophy, right? And, uh, you know, his, you know, he'd be like, well, you know, 90 times I was given responsibility to take the game winning shot and failed. And, you know, I missed 900 shots and 300 free throws and all that. And, um, because I failed so much, I succeeded, you know, which, which is a bit of an oversimplification, obviously, but the, um, but, but the fact remains, you know, do you know how to lose? And if you do, then that's going to teach you how to win. Um, because the person who can lose and move forward and um, build relationships is the person that's that's going to last longer, right? Like, consider if you're the type of parent that, um, you know, you argue with the umps and maybe you even get the call reversed, right? It's That's what you're teaching your kid. It's just to complain to get their way, not to play harder and be a better player and things like that. And so... They win in the short term, but the way the real world works, they'll lose every time. And um, and so the goal is to to teach your child how to be on a winning streak across time rather than this moment is all that matters. Getting what you know you deserve right now is what matters. And, uh, and that's kind of like what marriage is. Sometimes marriage is... I'm going to let this one go um, because if I win this battle, which I could, 
because I speak faster and I'm smarter and I can speak louder than you and I can prove you wrong and I'm certain that I'm right. Um, if I win this argument, then I lose everything for the next week because you're just going to hate me and you're not going to get over it. Yep. You know, and that means like your dinner's going to suck and that means like that means no sex, right? And that means like, oh, you want to watch our TV show? Nope. Mm. Nope, I just want to like read this book because you're not in it, you know. Yeah, pretty <laughs> and, much. Uh, and so, and that's what they'll do, right? And and I had to I had to learn that in marriage early on, you know, because because I'm a really good arguer, and uh, maybe we'll discover that on, on the next podcast because <laughs> I, I think you are too, right? Yes. So I really kind of want to like uh, uh, you know wrestle in the mud, but um, not not literal mud, folks. Oh, we're, we're that's not it. a fish. That's not what we're doing. Next one's going to be a, a video podcast. And uh, it's so, but it's like if I win, let's say my wife and, and I argue a hundred times and I win every argument, um, which I could, what ends up happening is I'm married to a loser, essentially. And not only that, but she starts to resent me because I'm so domineering uh, in our relationship. And then because she resents me, she starts to act that out. And then I get the added benefit of playing a martyr because she's mistreating me. You know, it's like recipe for success. I don't think so. Sometimes you got to know which battles to lose so you can win the long-term ones. And uh, and that's, you know, something you learn in marriage. But I think it's one of the things that starts with sports. You know, really, it's sort of like it's it's acted out dramatically among friendships when you're little. Same thing, yep. you know. And uh, just kind of learn to sort of lay down uh, the sword. But... Um, you really learn it in sports in terms of like a, like a team and group effort that, that also influ influences you individually. And then that, that carries on to future relationships. You know, right. you're just going to be stubborn and spoiled your whole life. It definitely as a sports parent too, you realize like I coach as well and dealing with some of the parents, you can see which parents want the best for their kids and which parents, um, wanted want their kids to succeed in spite of themselves. Whereas like the failed baseball dad is going to push his kids so hard to the breaking point where the dad who's never played baseball has a kid who's good at baseball. That kid is going to succeed because he's not really being broken. He's just, Hey, we're going to keep elevating you as far as we know how, or as, as far as you can. Whereas the baseball dad that already failed is going to just push and push and push and it's never good enough because they want them to succeed all the way no matter what. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other dad's like, oh, have fun and... Do your best. Dad. Yeah, do your best. And they're going to teach you to be better without even knowing how to be better at the sport. They're just going to teach you to be better. Like I know, um, I didn't head coach, so I didn't draft players, but talking to the, the coach I who I worked with, he was big on coaching kids who whose parents were better. Like he didn't just draft a kid, he drafted a family. Mm. And if you were a, a bad parent, like if you were a helicopter parent and you were always yelling at umps and he wouldn't draft your kid no matter how good he was because he just, he didn't want the extra, good. that little yeah. bit of drama. And the team my son played on the first year we moved in Attleboro was awesome because we were new. We never played for Attleboro. There's no tryouts. It's just you paid and you got drafted. So the, the guy that drafted my son was like, well, you know, he was drafted last because we didn't know him. We don't know any parent. And, but it was lucky because he was just drafted such a good team where, yeah, it wasn't always the best players, but it was a fun environment it was a good team, and they yeah. ended up winning. They built great chemistry and good camaraderie. Yeah. It just, it worked really well. 
and everybody got better. And you got good relationships out of it. Friendships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you talked about the parents who, you know, maybe failed when they were younger and living vicariously through yep. their children. And um, it's like a high school musical, right? Co- Coach Bolton. Uh, maybe you guys probably wouldn't get that reference. I only got it because I, I just musically directed a high school musical. But it was the same idea, right? He was like basketball star. Now his, I think it was Zac Efron was in the movie. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I only know about it from South Park, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, so now like he wants him to be the basketball star and he sort of forsakes basketball to be in a musical because he met some girl, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. And there, there's a real message there, which is that, um, well, in... If you want your kid to be great, they need to be passionate, you know, and you can only push someone to do things by, like, slave driving for so long, being like, well, you got to do this because you got to be the best, right? It's like, well, actually, no, you have to love it, right? Yep. And that's, mm-hmm. and, um, and the reason why you have to love it, just like marriage, is because you're going to suffer a ton, right? And that's sort of like the joke, right? There's three rings in marriage. Mm-hmm. You know what they are, yeah, Sean? Was it the, the wedding ring? Well, the engagement, the engagement ring, ring. The wedding ring, ring and the suffering. The yeah. suffering, yeah. And so, and, um, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, sounds like anti-marriage, but it's true. You know, you're going to suffer. And mostly because, you know, now people don't recognize this part, but you're going to suffer no matter what you do. And so what you want to do is take on the responsibility that makes the going worth the while. You know, and and for me, and I think for most people, um, that's marriage, and uh, and so and for other people, that's sports, right? It's it's that which you're passionate about will, will bring you fulfillment, and the word passion, like like you can think about like the passion of the Christ, right? Like why do they call it passion? Well, that's suffering, you know, and that's Aristotle too, right? You can't be passionate about something if you're not if you're not willing to suffer for it, but the thing is, you have to be willing to suffer. Right, and that's sort of like the the Christ archetype. You know, it's like he who adopts the most voluntary responsibility through the symbolic lifting of the cross of suffering redeems humanity. You know, so it's like whether it's sports, and you're like, I'm gonna because I love this because I want to suffer for it, or music. Right, it's like I'm there, there's nothing wonderful about practicing five ten hours a day. You know, um, in in pursuit of being the best at, at, in one specialized area, uh, you know, unless you're willing to happily suffer for that thing, um, <clears throat> and so that's how sports are. So, what do you, you know, how far do you think you're going to get driving your kid? They're going to hate you. Yep. You know, because well, maybe they did want to do that musical with that cute girl, and you were like, no, you're not going to do that, and it's you. Like you guided my life through my most developmental years, and now I feel underdeveloped because I didn't, you know, I shed all of the things that you know you stitched to me, and now I feel incomplete as a person, and it's all your fault, and I hate you, and it's it's a dangerous and let me testify, it's a dangerous thing to hate your father, you know, because and because your father is like your connection to the past and and like as someone really without a father um i always felt like like i was locked outside of the walls of civilization and so when you when you willfully neglect that sort of like historical pedigree um you can get into all sorts of trouble because you don't have you know anything that's that's connecting you to anywhere you know And, and i think that's i think that's a major issue in inner cities 
um, with crime rates and single, you know, single motherhood, um, because, and so, and I, and I think the, the role of a father is to, um, impart the inherited knowledge onto their kid. And when you don't do that, there's, you know, their feet are never on the ground and they feel like they can just do whatever they want. Um, all right. Have we discussed enough topics? It was, yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm just enamored by how you talk. It's just very fluid and uh, doesn't happen enough because, I mean, we, especially with our quarantine thing, you don't really hang out with anybody anymore, so you're sure. mostly just talking yourself. And it's good to hear other people talk very eloquently about uh, very... <laughs> and not to say that my friends aren't intelligent. They're just loud and boisterous. And yeah. sometimes, like... Sometimes well, we used, yeah, we could have used a little more comedy, I think, you know. It's all right. You want to hear a word I made up? Plagiarism. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There you go. There you go. Oh god. Well, I we've uh, we haven't. Okay, so to to encapsulate everything, um, it's tough being a teacher during COVID, huh? It is, yeah. We I think we definitely talked about that for yeah. for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, you know the virtual thing. Hard to um, elicit student engagement um, because, you know, it's not like you're in class, you hand out an assignment, they pass it in, you grade yeah, it, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's harder to gauge how much students are learning. Um, you can't really, you know, it's not like we're going to fail anyone, you yeah. know. So there's a bit of a disparity in students who are doing nothing versus students who are um, making sure they're getting all assignments in because essentially they're both going to proceed into the, the following year. Um, and sometimes the students that really aren't doing anything are the ones who need to be doing it the most yep. um, because they're really going to end up being behind. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole, this whole, because a, a lot of people aren't failing their kids, you know, they're, so a lot of them are going to move on to the next grade. And I really worry about that because a lot of people are going to be behind and they're mm-hmm. not going to be ready for what they need to be ready for in the following grade, which is, you know, I, I you know, eighth grade, or, you know, so it's like, you know, that's one step closer to high school. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in eighth grade. You know, every time you make a new step towards a new school, you have to do like capstones, you know, like projects where you have to be with people in groups. Now, I, I'm, yeah. I'm worried about a lot of that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think the sort of quarantine general. Well, I think this COVID thing is going to be somewhat of a history splitting event. You know, there's really going to be a, I think we're going to talk about times before coronavirus, mm-hmm. how things were before, you know, I don't know that Johan's ever going to know about handshakes, you know, he's going to see me like do that to like some old pal. He's going to be like, what'd you do dad? Like, why'd you touch his hand? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that too, because obviously I shook your hand because it's such an ingrained habit Yeah, and our generation has a sign of respect. You meet somebody new or, you know, whatever it is, or an old friend, you, you just want to shake their hand and say, hey, good to see you. And mm-hmm. it's like a term of endearment. And, yeah, we probably shouldn't be doing it now, but it's so ingrained in me that it's, like, so natural. I'm just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Right. Like, yeah. Oh, whoops. I think that there's, um, well, historically, I think Dr. Fauci said it's it was a way of demonstrating that you weren't holding a pistol, you know? And so, like, um, whether or not that's, I assume it's true because he said it, but... Um, whether or not it's true, there is something to 
I'm putting part of myself out there for you, you know, and then you're responding in kind and in doing so that binds us. And where does it bind us in like one of the most like sensitive parts of our body, you mm-hmm. know, like, like the hands, I don't know if you, you know, if you've ever studied like the, the like motor homunculus, which is like this, anyways, it's this sort of like a image of where like the nerve endings are and like what's the most sensitive areas of the body, right? So like the ears are big, the genitals, right? And like, you know, and then like the hands are, are and it's like, okay, so that really sensitive area of the body and then we're clasping together, which means you can pull me in and headbutt me and I'm done, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's a symbol of trust, you know, and endearment, like you said. And um, and that's something that's like, you can, you, you know, you could take someone's hand and, and you can snap their wrist yeah. or break their fingers or something, right? And it's like, your hands are the mechanism by which you produce your labor, which is like your work. Yeah. You could think of it that way, right? And you're willing to hand that over to someone. That That's like, a, that, that is a real sign of respect. Um, and so I don't know that... I can't say we won't lose anything by doing away with it. Um, I, I could see bowing actually as an alternative, kind of like the Japanese bow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think that's really respectful. Yeah. I, I just don't um, want to get to a formal salute. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with a formal salute for people. Yeah. Like, uh, same as a handshake, though. You would do it for anyone. It's not a sign of that that person's like, I know, like in some, in some cultures, you bow or to show respect for those better than right, you. Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not bowing for a king or a queen you're just bowing as a term of respect for an equal yeah yeah so having something formal that isn't you know too weird you know like like you wouldn't want to like you know have like the fist bump be like the new handshake but you don't want to also like kiss everybody's ring yeah yeah but it's like you're gonna show up to a job interview and like bump fists like hey nice to meet dude yeah that's the whole thing you know like shaking the hand you know firm but not too you know you know of course. Well, it's, it, is a, it is a sign of camaraderie. Like, what do you do when you want to lift someone up? Right? You extend your hand. What do, what do you do when you want to get to the same place at the same time? You hold someone's hand. Yep. You know? And so there's, I think there's, there's a lot of really good reasons for it. Um, and, you know, hope, hopefully we're stubborn enough that we can get back to that. And because, uh, you know, I think it's the best thing we have. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be like marches on Capitol Hill with, you know, folks with their guns being like, we demand our handshakes back. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's the biggest problem we're facing. Like us white cisgendered males, we're going to march on the Capitol in our hands, our hand costumes. That's right. And that's Just, what we're going to do. You know, you know, we're going to have the, uh, maybe after the next presidential election, it'll be hand hats instead <laughs> of like the pink, the pink hats. We're all going to look like we belong in Hamburger Helper. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're all going to have dressed up like the hamburger helper that reminds me I have a um, I was noticing out here I was putting some of my my musical equipment off to the side to free up space because I've been doing like videos with my classes like in here so I still have like stuff lying around and uh, I had um, uh, I was gone and I saw this this bag and it was the um, it's like an eight foot self-inflating baby boy like costume and uh, I think I got it, bought it on like Spencer's.com or something. And we used it when we had the gender reveal party for Johan. My friend came down the stairs in this gigantic like <laughs> baby thing. And I thought, I thought, you know what? That would be great to use as a mask. 
You know, now that masks are law, yeah. you know, would they let me into stop and shop? You know, I couldn't go in the car. It's like too big to fit in a car. But, um, you know, but we've walked, Nikolai and I have walked to stop and shop before. I can see walking, him strolling the baby and me just like this giant, <laughs> you know, in, inflated infant. Um, that's what I was thinking when you said the hamburger helper. I was like, I'm going to just, just walk down the street in this giant baby outfit, just... You know, and then they can't turn me away. It's technically my mask, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's it's like it's closed, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like a fan on the costume that like p- provides air, you know, keeps it inflated, but yeah. also gives you oxygen to breathe, yeah. which is helpful sometimes. And um, so the yeah, that's I think that's something I'm going to do this week. We're going <laughs> to we're going to have good weather. You know, I just got to make sure it doesn't get like, too hot after too long. Or there's like a beef barn down here. Yep. Send, yep. Nick, send Nick I in for food. And then like, you know, I can just climb on like their outdoor picnic table and just start flossing or something, <laughs> you know, just to be, just to be ridiculous. Something to just change it up, man. The, like, yeah. the monotony of the quarantine. Yeah. Everyone's and, so blah. Yep. So the, complacent. So. Yeah. Well, they're so blah because they have one thing on their minds, yeah. you know, like, like it's hilarious that in the whole three hours we've been talking, um, or, or the, the past 35 minutes that the audience has been hearing um, after Sean edits out anything two, two that's... Hours and two and a half. Two, oh, two and a half, not bad. Not bad. That's, a win- that's almost a winner. Almost a winner. Wait, what's the winner? Because I can keep going. It's a three-hour... Yeah, it's I'm a three not, hour I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, we're going to... We're not going to either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it, I think it's a miracle that we've spent maybe all of five minutes talking about quarantine this whole time. It's good. Because everyone you talk to, it's like you're either talking about quarantine or, or COVID um, or you're talking about something that's one degree of separation yep. away from it. It's like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to talk about my job and I'm going to talk about how different things are at my job because of coronavirus, yep. right? So it's like yep. there's not even any area you can talk about. So like how refreshing to just talk about like being a better person, trying to like you know get your act together and and live forthrightly and and fly right and and you know be what you can be. People aren't thinking about that, you know. I think people are just thinking about getting from day to day. And uh, exactly, um, they could be using this time to be better people. Yeah. So could I? <laughs> I thought like oh I could do all this like recording. And I was I supposed to like share a song too? Should I take my guitar up? That I mean that that would be that would be. What do you think? You can. That would be quite the benefit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost. All right. What kind of song do you guys want to hear? Cover, an original, something happy, something sad. Well, I mean, it has to be happy. All right. You know. Yeah, I'll play a song. I wrote my wife. This is about us. Actually, you know, this is the second happiest song I wrote my wife. I haven't completely finished the first. Um, I'll just play a couple verses from the chorus. So we can get out of here. I went to all the bridge and instrumental section, but um, right, this will be the world premiere. I don't even know the name of this, but I'm just going to play it and I'll play us out. A happy love song for wife. All right, here we go. I think we're in tune. Well, it's that one you do and everything changes from blue to a bright orange sky that I know I could never design ooh and it's crazy how you been moving me lately oh baby and I'm shaking cause you've got me doing 
off my feet. You moved right through me with a taste of something oh so groovy. Without haste, without order, you rearranged all of my borders every time. Every time I think of you, I've got a grin so big. You make me forget everything, who I am, where I'm from. And God's got us under the sun. Our life can go from never behaving to amazing And you saved me But you've got me doing so well You knocked me off my feet You moved right through me With a taste of something all so groovy Without haste, without order You rearranged all of my borders every time Every time I think of you Damn. So I actually have one that's happier than that. But wow, really? Yeah, but that's, uh, you know, that'll be the next podcast. There you go. You should invite yourself along. Uh, of course. I like it. I like it. See you guys tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, this was fun. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, that was, it was nice. Uh, as, as normal, I'm going to have to break it around. Um, I, I can't keep doing uh, half hour episodes. I did that for the Tiger King, and we had our crossover before with Two Beers and a Mic. And uh, doing it half hour long episodically, it was just so taxing to get to where you were before, and they'd be like, and this is what I took out, and this is what I you know edited back in. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and not edit it, because it was all great. I mean, really. Um, you know, we didn't name drop. That's a that's a thing we don't you that was that was good. And uh yeah, didn't and, mention anyone by name. No. Yeah. And uh you know everything that, was sibling or family member, yeah. And uh you know, the song will play us right out. I'm I'm good with that. So Yeah, definitely a lot of fun. I liked it. That was that was fantastic. Uh this has been Sean. I'm Jay. We're family of benefits and um Wow. Wow. Great. Thank you, Adam. My pleasure. Thanks for coming by, guys. Damn. (laughs) All right. part two of my two-part guest spot on family with benefits i hope you found the uh, topics discussed enlightening and insightful and uh, worth your time thank you